everybody. This is Bevan. Welcome to Bevan, a femme over 40 and her friends podcast. I'm your host, Bevan. I've said my name three times. It's time to start the show. Uh, today, I'm so excited to introduce you to my friend, Casey. I met Casey through the Glowing Goddess Getaway. Uh, she is a psychic medium, and I'd love to have psychics on the show. I think it's like a really awesome profession. It is totally out of the box, and I also just deeply love having psychic people in my life. And so I asked Casey to share specifically because two reasons. One, she's been a psychic for a really long time and working for a really long time. And I know a lot of folks who listen to this show um, are psychics who have been working for maybe not that long, right? And so I think there's some uh, benefit to having learned over many years how to sustain a practice and like what makes sense. And I love that Casey balances a psychic practice with also like a really a great muggle business that she also runs with her husband. So that was one reason I just wanted to know, like, what, how do you do this for so long? What's your staying power? Cause I know a lot of folks get really burnt out because capitalism uh, overlapping with our inherent innate wisdom, right? It's really weird when you start applying arbitrary value and money to uh, things that I think are inherent gifts, right? Like the land gives us everything and we made money and bills. Um, so anyway, I just think that there are so many different ways to work with our gifts and share our value with the world. And I thought it was cool that Casey has done this, like sort of balanced both sides um, of her brain in this way. And I love, love, love that she talks about having separate space for both of those businesses. So they're not in the same space. Um, and I think that's actually a really important distinction um, that's helpful. And another thing uh, that I really wanted to bring her onto the podcast about is that she's been married for over two decades, uh, which is a long, long time to sustain a relationship with someone who is different than you. And we are attracted to our opposites. And that is something really kind of beautiful. So I asked for her tips on a long lasting relationship. Um, and I also really want you to pay attention to what she talks about with grieving and what she talks about with uh, sort of opening yourself up. She gave a really beautiful analogy of like using the symbol of a flower um, opening up uh, when she's ready to receive and connect to her psychic gifts and then closing that up. And I've actually, I mean, I recorded this a week ago. I have been practicing it in my life. So thank you, Casey, for everything that you taught in this episode and for, for being my friend and being my sister at the Glowing Goddess Getaway. Casey's uh, a goddess guide and uh, frequently uh, teaches workshops at our virtual retreats. And so if you want to join us there, you might get access to Casey's gifts. Um, so with that said, we're going to start the episode. But first, I want to tell you how to support this podcast. If you find value in this, I have a Patreon page and it is the best way to support me as a creator. Patreon.com slash FKDP. It stands for Fat Kid Dance Party. The link is in the show notes. And Fat Kid Dance Party is my aerobics class for anyone who feels left behind by mainstream fitness. So if you've ever been called too much, too fat, or felt too awkward to dance, mine is the supportive class for you. Uh, my membership includes access to all of my Zoom aerobics at any level of support, starting at two bucks, plus spiritual self-care lessons. It's so fun. I started this and I started this specific part in January, this offering of the spiritual self-care lessons. And now we're already in September. We're about to have our ninth episode. So it's cool to have created this work and to have this ongoing space uh, to share. I also have Reiki healings on there, meditations. Um, and at the full membership level of 25 bucks a month, you get access to on-demand aerobics. So on your schedule, I hike my stuff into the woods. I record um, a 10-minute, a 20-minute, two 55-minute classes, a chair aerobics class, 
and a 45-minute canna-sized class, which is slower, more repetitive choreography to accompany an optional cannabis experience. So uh, if that's all, I rotate it weekly, and then there's bonus uh, classes from other body positive instructors that I love. So I really try to add a lot of value to that for less than the cost of one soul cycle class a month. Um, so patreon.com slash FKDP. Um, you can cancel anytime. And if you don't want to do an ongoing uh, subscription type thing, you can also just buy me a coffee. Uh, spoiler alert, I don't drink coffee. So I'm, <laughs> I use that money for like, you know, merch. And I really want to get a new podcast microphone and a new webcam for my YouTube. Uh, so that's really what I'm fundraising for over there. So all of those links are in the show notes and especially the link to reach Casey if you feel a connection to her and want to reach out and have a session. So I invite you to my virtual porch. Imagine yourself on wicker furniture with me and Casey. We're having a conversation. You're cuddling up with your favorite childhood blanket. I love you so much. Thanks for tuning in. Casey, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Bevan. Yay. I'm so glad you could join us. I just absolutely adore you. And I'm excited to share your wisdom with all who are in my podcast audience. Um, okay. So first of all, I, I usually like to start business in the front, but I actually, um, actually, you know what? Let's start business in the front. Tell me about what you do as a psychic medium extraordinaire. All right, so let's talk about the difference between mediumship and psychic aspect. So mediumship is the gift to see loved ones that have passed to the other side, fairies, guides, angels, um, etherical beings um, that exist in different planes than what we are on, right? So mediumship is usually something you're born with um, or that you might have a life event that may cause this awareness to come on. Um, and so that's kind of mediumship in, um, in, a, in a quick little um, container there where psychic aspect is um, more using a medium such as uh, tarot cards, crystal ball, uh, palmistry, um, things like that. So that uh, I use, usually we'll use a tarot spread because that tells me a little bit about what's going on with you specifically. Where mediumship, when I open myself to the universe, I don't know who's going to come through, what they're going to say, um, any of that. And usually it's not life shattering, you know, information. They don't tell you the lottery numbers. Otherwise, I probably still wouldn't be sitting here, right? Um, had to learn a long time ago, can't use my gift for any personal gain. But yeah, that's kind of uh, the two things that I do in, in unison with one another. And so it depends on, you know, some people may want just specifically mediumship. Some people may want, you know, 20 minutes of tarot cards. So yeah, it really depends on, you know, what, what you want, what your intention is for the session. Awesome. And you're the kind of psychic medium who does one-on-one -on -one client work. Yes, I do one-on-one -on -one client work. And then, um, uh, as I get into my story, I can kind of tell you a little bit more about, you know, working in front of large groups. So that's also something that I do is um, I will do mediumship from platform, which is and demonstration, which is usually, you know, a, I, I can do anything from a small group of people, five to 20 to, you know, I've been in, you know, in front of probably, you know, 100 people or more doing readings. So I do do groups and then privates as well, just depending. And I also teach um, classes. So kind of depending on, you know, what specifically people are looking for, I can pretty much, you know, adjust, you know, whatever it is they, they want. Oh, I love that. So let's dig in. Tell me about like growing up, were you always different or were you the kind of kid that fit in? Oh no, of course I was a weird kid. Of course. <laughs> 
So when I was 10, I started seeing dead people and they would come around my bed in shadow form. And I couldn't tell who they were by looking at them, but I knew who they were by their energies. It was actually my grandfather and my uncle um, who had started coming to me. And so at 10, I did not have parents that I could go to and say, oh my gosh, this is what's happening. I'm seeing dead people. So I just prayed, you know, to God, please take it away. And it kind of lessened, but I was a weird kid. I was, you know, when everyone else was doing their, you know, scholastic book orders and ordering Holly, you know, Holly Hobby, I'm going to date myself there. You know, I was the one, oh, I want, you know, mysteries and beyond and the haunted house ones and the scary stuff. And so I was always, you know, searching and my mother would put me to bed at night and I would pull the covers up over my head and I'd have a flashlight and I, I read the Bible from front to back by the time I was 12 because I was searching. I knew there was something else. And then when it was seventies, it was very acceptable to take your child, drop them at Sunday school. So my mom would take me to the Baptist church, Pentecostal church, Catholic church, Christian church, whatever it was. And I would go to Sunday school and then she would come gather me up. So, you know, I was always searching. And then in my early twenties, um, I hadn't been married for very long. I had this vision of God standing next to my husband's side of the bed. And, um, he was, and I will say he, because that's my background is to put the masculine on um, God. So um, he was in a white robe and just blowing from the head up. No, no facial features, no head or anything. So that completely like sent me into a tailspin. I'm like in the bathroom, I'm bawling. My husband comes in. He's like, what is going on? I'm like, I saw God on your side of the bed. Did you see him? He's like, on my side of the bed? I'm like, yep. He's like, nope, didn't see it. So after that, it was an explosion where it was just like, I was seeing dead people everywhere. And then they were coming to me very clearly. Like I may see them. Um, I may get a feeling in my body of how they passed. Um, you know, and there's three types of um, ways to communicate. So you've got clairaudient, which is where you hear spirit, clairvoyant, which is where you see it, and clairsentient, which is where you get a sense or a smell. So a lot of mine is um, clairaudient. So I will close my eyes because I have a French guide a lot of times that will like allow people to talk and they talk really fast. So I have to like close my eyes and listen. Um, and then also clairvoyance um, is the other strong part for me, which is, you know, seeing them, visualizing them. Now they don't show up like you and I in these dense bodies. They're much more etherical. And it's almost like, um, you know how Glinda the Good Witch in um, Wizard of Oz comes oh, in her bubble, right? So it's this energy, this essence. And then the sitter, which is uh, what we call um, a person who's come for a reading, may then put that vision on of what their loved one looked like, or I may as well from information that's coming through. So they're vibrating at a very high um I don't know how to explain it other than it's just a really high vibration. So a lot of times I have to try to bring them down or listen or get the feeling of, you know, what they're trying to tell me. So in my early 20s, I thought I was crazy because I was hearing, you know, and seeing all of this. And I thought, oh, my gosh, nobody else hears or sees any of this. And so at the time I was doing nails and I had a client and she was really spiritual. So I said to her and told her, you know, this is what's going on for me. And so she said, for one, you need to put protection around you. So St. Michael and purple. Okay. So that, you know, I learned that right away because when we do this work, we have to protect ourselves. It's like, you know, sticking your child down in the subway with no protection, right? You can't just open yourself to the spirit world without having protection and guides and those type of things. So, um, I 
I saw this, you know, gal is doing her nails. I said, what do I do? She is, she sent me to spiritual science church. So spiritualism um, is a movement that started over in England and then came to the colonies and then moved westward. So they believe in the continuation of life that we always exist, right? Infinity not, like there's no end and there's no beginning. Just as an energy, we will take a physical form and then we move back out of that physical form when this physical form can no longer support that. So I um, went to the church, met the reverend. She gave me a reading. Um, she said, I can help you start coming, you know, come to church, come to trainings, right? So spiritualism, they believe in the continuation of life and energy healing. So I learned a lot about energy healing. So before you know it, I, you know, was doing healings every Sunday, moving energy, um, you know, a Reiki master, love energy work. And I always like to tell people, you know, like be aware like of energy. How do I feel around this person? You know, you may meet somebody and in the first five minutes, you're like, where have you been? I've known you my whole life. And then there's other people that you're like, oh, back it up, right? So not only are we super aware of the energies that are coming towards us, also what energy am I bringing to the party? How am I showing up with my energy too? So energy is always something that I've been really extremely sensitive to. So I always like to tell people, you know, to really pay attention to, you know, energy and, and how that shifts. And if you go into a room and everybody's kind of down, but you know, that one sparkly person that comes in and laughs and has a good time and how it just, you know, can, can change um, the tone and the atmosphere with just simply adjusting your energy. So when I was involved in the spiritual science church for 16 years, we had mediums come from England. Now in England, very acceptable mediumship, right? So it's very strict there. You are, uh, you have to learn, you have to sit in circle for a year, which is um, what we would call seance there. They call it circle. You know, if the meeting starts at seven o'clock, you're not to be late. The door is locked. You don't cross your legs. You don't get up and go to the bathroom. You don't get a drink and you sit with this circle for a whole year and you train and it's very governed over there. And so I was lucky enough to have these mediums come from England, you know, and they may have, they may rent out theaters there and have 500 people that come to see, and you have an opening, you know, a, head, um, a middle, you know, act and a headliner that you've come to see. So very acceptable. So that was really interesting for me because growing up with no type of structure, nobody to say, hey, this is what's going on, to actually meet people that it was like totally normal for them. They had been raised in the spirit, in spiritualism. That was something that was very acceptable for them. So, you know, that's my biggest thing is my legacy moving forward is to make sure that those women and men coming up behind me, you know, know that they can turn to me for education and for learning, because I think that's the biggest thing that I was lacking was that I didn't have anyone to turn to and say, hey, is, is this okay? Or what, you know, what's going on? What should I do? So anyways, um, uh, my friends and uh, mentors from England have been coming out for about 25 years. Um, in the meantime, I have also uh, traveled to England um, and studied and taught so I can say I'm properly trained. Um, and I'm very thankful for my friends. And, you know, there's three generations that I know now. I go to England. It's like I'm going home. I have these beautiful people. And I get to go to spiritualist church, which is, you know, really great for my soul and um, my the, the promoter that originally had brought um, the mediums over from England was my first promoter that you know took me aside and said hey you're gonna you know we're gonna push you out in front of everybody tonight and you're gonna give readings and I was like oh, right so you know I'm also very thankful for that person which he's on the other side now you know being in my life and pushing me forward so that's kind of my story in a nutshell you know it's always constantly 
um, changing and growing. You know, I never really used to have too much awareness about angels, but one time I went to do a reading for a gal and this angel came in behind her. He was about 14 feet tall and he had to duck his wings in to come in the door. And after that, it was like, whoa, right? Like I had never seen angels before. So then I had that awareness. So things are always changing and, and growing for me as well. So I'm kind of, you know, like rolling with the changes of, you know, and then there's people that I've been doing readings for, for 30 years. And so, you know, they, they want different things too. So, you know, working um, in um, more doing some somatic work and helping people to kind of move things, you know, through their body or understand what's going on with them. So really enjoy that as well. When you do somatic work, what kind of work are you doing with folks? So um, usually it's a three part. So you have um, breath work, um, grounding, and then there's movement. So depending on what, you know, I'm theming around, I do work with um, certain people that have had some really traumatic deaths. And so uh, for them sitting and talking about it works, but then also moving that through the body. And then there's integration at the end where you're, you know, integrating and maybe doing um, some type of meditation, you know, or something like that. Oh, that's fascinating. Um, you had also mentioned um, sort of working with fairies and working with like mm -hmm. different types of energies. Do you oh. do that type of stuff? Um, Fairies are pretty nasty, to be honest. They have little sharp teeth and pointed. I mean, let's take Tinkerbell for, you know, instance. Fairies, you really just don't want to mess with. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, they're in my awareness. Every once in a while, I have them show up or I may have, you know, a little spirit guide. I have one that shows up for a friend that looks like Dobby from um, Harry Potter. So, you know, I have had some of these little creatures come floating in and out. And that's kind of been one of those things that has evolved for me as well. Because like I said, even the angel thing, I didn't have that awareness, you know, and then aliens, which is a whole nother topic, you know, of just all of these beings that are existing in these different dimensions, because it said we're here in the third dimension, but there's seven other dimensions that are happening at the same time, as well as, you know, the other dimensions and um, so it's really interesting when you start studying and doing dimension work. Wow. Uh, how do you start studying and doing dimension work? Um, you know, once again, I'm kind of self-taught. So, um, you know, really sitting in meditation um, is the biggest thing. Like my son is pretty talented with cards, um, but he's like, mom, I want to do mediumship. And I'm like, well, you have to sit in meditation because that's a space and place that you open, you know, and you have to, you have to have guides, you know, you have to um, open to the universe or to close to the universe. You can't, you know, a lot of people I meet are very empathic, but they're walking around open all the time. So they're getting everybody's crap and they're getting everybody's emotions and energy. And, and if you're an empath during this time and you're not opening and closing it's very very hard on you because there's so much going on on the earth plane right that we're all being flooded with constantly so you know super important to sit in meditation on a daily basis I said every you know morning for 15 minutes sometimes I may sit in the evening if I get time so you know I have people that want to learn all the time you know like I said mediumship's kind of one of those things if you have it you have it I can help to guide you I can't you know bestow that upon you now, the psychic aspect I can help you with, because I believe everybody is in tune psychically. It's just someone may sit at the, you know, at the um, piano and plunk out things while somebody else's Mozart, right? So some of us just come in clicking a little bit higher, but it doesn't mean that you can't be taught to listen to your intuition and use a medium like, um, you know, tea leaves, crystal ball, palmistry, astrology, 
anything that floats your boat. So, you know, always tell people like, what are you interested in? Like what, you know, is calling you like a lot of people that buy a tarot deck, you know, okay, cool. So if you're interested in tarot, then now you want to study about tarot. And so, um, yeah, dimension work is, is one of those things that you have to kind of, um, <laughs> it's almost the same as like physical mediumship. Um, so physical mediumship is where you can kind of step out of your body and allow someone else to, to come in. Um, that's not something that I do very lightly or do a lot just because I have to have someone there that's protecting me, bringing me back to my body, you know, these type of things. So dimension work is almost the same way in that I am leaving my physical body and I'm traveling to another dimension, wherever that is or wherever that dimension may take me. Yeah. And always having a, a strong, clear intention. You know, what am I doing? Am I meeting, you know, a certain God? Maybe I'm, you know, um, studying an Indian God and I want to go where the blue gods are, you you know, so that's another dimension. So I ask specifically to go there or if I'm studying, you know, um, a specific goddess like Pahavardi, then, you know, I'm asking to go to her dimension so that I can get, you know, information. Um, maybe if I am going to work with somebody that really needs some help, you know, but a loved one is on the other side, I, you know, will ask to go where they are. Um, sometimes I'm put there without even, you know, realizing that that's where I'm going. So yeah, dimension work is, is um, tricky business but always you know if you have somebody that's there with you that grounds you that then takes you on that journey and then brings you back to your body you know it's it's pretty safe but um, I always recommend that people you know have somebody that that can sit with them and that you know you've been a little bit educated about what to expect and how to get back to your body you know because shamans believe that when we start to do that work that we can leave parts of ourselves in different dimensions so that's um, a lot of times where ayahuasca and different hallucinogens will come in and you know shamans will walk you through to go through and you know pick back up parts of your soul to bring in to make you whole which like once again is a whole nother um really interesting subject but um okay so you had mentioned that for folks who are empaths and who are walking around open all the time, mm -hmm. um, that they're not serving themselves. I'd love to teach on self-care for empaths because I think so many folks are raised in a, in a very, uh, we'll say psychic phobic society while all of us have access to these gifts. Um, it's almost like being cut off from like your literal sixth sense, right? Like imagine never being taught how to taste, um, or people denying that you can even taste. Right. Um, so what can you teach on like uh, a kind of best practice on opening and closing for folks mm -hmm. who are like running around open and don't know what that even means? Absolutely. So I teach like a basic meditation on this. So what I do is have you imagine yourself, you know, imagine a flower, like whatever's the most beautiful flower that, you know, I usually will do a red or a pink rose for myself. So when I see that and I'm closed, I imagine that those buds are, are tight right? So that means I'm close to the universe, right? I'm not going to get anybody's stuff coming in. I can go to the grocery store without having to, you know, have the clerk's dead mother say, tell her this, tell her that, right? Yeah. Not, you know, sometimes they do break through if it's really super important, but I'm not walking around open all the time just for whoever and whatever to come through. So when you want to work, let's say you're going to pick up, you know, your tarot cards, or you're going to sit with somebody, or you're going to, you know, pray, or, you know, whatever that is, and you want to open yourself to the universe, then you're going to, you're going to imagine that flower again and then you're going to imagine being inside of the flower and then you're going to open up your petals one at a time then you're open to the universe to receive 
right? So do the work that you're going to do, whatever that is. And then when you're done, once again, close up your pedals, right? So that's, that's helpful. That is really, I mean, that's what a beautiful visualization too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, to, to just think of your flower. Oh, that's so cool. Um, will you, te- you do a lot of Tantra work? Um, a smidge yeah Yeah. I mean you mentioned it at some point that it was like something you do as a yeah 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 nourishing practice for yourself will you talk more about just using that as a practice what it is and you know well um tantra is very large I mean it's a um type of yogic study there's white and red and so um red is very um sexual where white is more purity and so um you know we store a lot in the body we store a lot of um energy trauma you know things like that so through tantra we're you know we learn to be to you know become one with our partners or with ourselves and we're able to exchange in an energetic way, right? So, you know, becoming intimate. And a lot of times, you know, in the tantric philosophies, men are taught, you know, how to have multiple orgasms, right? Without actually, you know, spilling their seed, which is what they call ejaculation. And so I think that's really an an interesting aspect for men, especially because, you know, you were talking about how we're raised and, you know, it's not seen that that's something possible for men and that you can have intimacy in that way in an energetic way. And you can, you know, move that energy up and down the spine and, and, you know, share it with a partner or with yourself. And it's a great way to connect into God, right. And it's a great way to start to move your Kundalini and, um, elevate yourself, I guess. So if you're interested, I would really encourage you to, you know, pick up a book and, you know, study some, some tantric studies, but yeah, I probably do more than a smidge, but I do enjoy it a lot. (laughs) Um, And you've been, okay. So you've been a practicing person who trades time for mediumship for 30 years, right? And so you've probably learned a lot about what your boundaries are around business practices and how much you see clients and things like that. I'm curious if you could talk about like how you figure out what your boundaries are around your business and the time. Well, they're two different, you know, two different things that I do. So, um, mediumship, you know, of course is within a container, right? It's like anything else. You're making an appointment with somebody and you're sitting with them during that time. So I don't schedule anything else. You know, I um, spend that time with that person and then I'm able to come into that space and place, right? It's, it's much more um, right brain for me compared to doing contracts and things that I do in my left brain work. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, it used to be a little bit harder for me to kind of slip back and forth because it's like using two, two sides of the brain. But I think that I've kind of trained myself, you know, to be able to just, you know, and then having a space specifically for that. So I have a space specifically in my home that I know when I'm in that space that that's, that's where I'm at. I'm doing spiritual work, you know, compared to having my office um, upstairs where that's where I sit and do, you know, my um, more left brain work. Mm, I love that. And that's, so having specific space in your home, that's like, because you don't only do psychic medium work for money. So you have like that duality. Um, I ask specifically, cause I have a lot of folks who listen to the podcast who do psychic medium work and I see them like 
kind of revising how many clients they'll see in a week and like that kind of thing is just as they learn more about their capacity and their bodies. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it doesn't deplete me. I know some people will say, oh, I'm so depleted after I do a reading. For me, it jazzes me, right? Because I'm connecting with another human being in an intimate way. And, um, you know, intimacy happens on a lot of different levels, right? It's not just a physical intimacy. It can be an energetic or just being with somebody and listening to somebody. And so, you know, being able to help someone, especially those people that are in extreme pain because a loved one has passed away, you know, a child or a parent or, you know, a partner, it's, it's, it's very rewarding in that way. Yeah, you know, but I do, I have learned, you know, over 30 years to, you know, make time for it and make it, you know, valuable for not only myself, but the person that I'm, you know, spending time with. So I will, you know, it just depends on my week, you know, I may, you know, take two days that I'm like, okay, I'm gonna take the afternoon to do this, you know, and I'm going to do so many readings or whatever. And then I can, you know, switch back and do, you know, my, um, you know, my left brain job. So yeah, I've had to learn, I've had to learn the hard way. It hasn't always been easy. I mean, you know, there's been times when I, I sometimes clients will drain you, you know, um, just kind of depends and they don't do it meaningfully. Just sometimes, you know, there's some heavy stuff. People, a lot of times work in a lot of heavy stuff. So, yeah, I'm just thankful. I used to think it was a curse, but I learned that it's not, it's a blessing to be able to do this and to be able to share with people and really, um, do something that's meaningful, that's helpful, that, you know, I'm in the grand scheme of things I'm helping, I'm helping people to heal and to move forward. And, you know, to really just know that, you know, your loved ones are there, they hear you, you know, they, they can help guide you from the other side, they can't interfere. But you know, that's another thing is generational work, you know, ancestor work, how important is that, you know, it's said that seven, there's seven generations back, you know, we, we carry the fears and the hopes and the dreams. And you know, all those things, if I'm afraid of spice, why is that? Maybe my mother was afraid of spiders and her mother before her and her mother before her, right? That's a really simplistic, you know, idea behind it. But ancestor work for me is super important. And the older I get, I realize like how important ancestor work really is because I look at who I am and why I am, right? Who I am um, because of those women that went before me. My grandmother was very intuitive. She um, would have visions, although I could never get her to talk about it. Even towards the end of her life, I'd grandma, you know, tell me. And she was like, oh, no, 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 no. You know, she did talk about that. Now, my mother, none of that. She doesn't, you know, have any, any interest or any type of ability that I know of. And then my daughter, she um, was always much more interested in helping do um, like the producing part of things or putting, you know, if I'm doing some type of event or something, she's very helpful with that. But as far as, you know, um, doing mediumship or psychic work, that's never been, been her gig. So I was kind of giggle. I'm like, maybe it skips a generation. I don't know. But um, yeah. Wow. Um, okay. So you have been married for a super long time. Mm -hmm. um, what are your sort of tips or ideas for what keeps a marriage long lasting and harmonious? Okay. So I think the biggest thing is to realize that you're not mind readers, right? So if I need something from my husband, I need to communicate that, right? I need to say what I need to say. And the same with him, if there's something specific to communicate with one another, and to realize he's not going to know, you know, you and I as a woman, if we go shopping and I say, I like that purse in your mind, you register that you're like, okay, next birthday, Christmas anniversary, she's getting that purse, right? 
men don't, men don't register that, right? They're like, you know, how many years did I wait for the purse on my birthday? And I'm like, I told you, you know, I basically said, right? So realizing, so we have this code word now. It's like, okay, write it down, right? So um, he knows if I say write it down, he's like, oh, she wants that, right? So I've, I've learned, you know, and it hasn't always been easy. I mean, my husband and I have done a lot of self-work. We've done, you know, we were, we studied with Tony Robbins for probably 20 years. Um, we've done tantric work. We went to um, different um, festivals and Burning Man. And, you know, I usually always take my husband kicking and screaming, but he has the best time. And, you know, we learn and grow from that. And I think it's super important to have those things that you do that fill your cup, right? So, you know, go do what's, what you love. And he goes and does what he loves. And then you come back together and your cup is full. And then also you have those activities that you do together, you know. You know, my husband and I are together all day, every day, and we always have had our own businesses. So we're very used to that, you know, and just learning that men are different from women. Men don't need 3000 words a day. Women do, right? We need to talk, 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 talk. Men don't, they have eight to 900 and they're, they're good, right? They're like, let me solve this for you. And so, you know, a lot of times we, as women, we're like, you know, we don't want you to solve it. We just want you to, you know, give us a hug and tell us everything is going to be okay. Right. And, and hold space. So I think, you know, um, nourishing yourself in that way and you know make dates with one another you know we our children are grown now but you know when they were smaller we would go on a date and we would allow ourselves to talk about the kids for 15 minutes and then after that we didn't talk about the kids right it was about us so even now being married and even though we spend all day together it's still you know we're usually working in that space so we'll you know make time for one another to date or you know to have intimate time together and to plan that, you know, it's like plan intimacy, make a time, you know, like tonight's going to happen at eight o'clock or, you know, whatever that is, because as silly as it sounds to schedule time for, to be with one another, it's super important because otherwise, you know, that, that doesn't happen. Um, I think as we've become empty nesters, you know, of course we have more time and ability to, you know, do those things. So, yeah, I think that those are my biggest tips is just learn and grow together and, um, you know, realize that you can't read each other's minds. Oh, and the other big thing took me about 17 years of marriage to figure this out. You are never going to see it their way and they are never going to see it your way. I don't care if you talk to them, you're blue in the face. Uh, they will not see it your way. So guess what? You have to find a happy medium, right? Where, where is your happy medium? Where can both of you exist in that space? of agreement, you know, and sometimes it's, we just agree to disagree on things. So. Yeah. That's how I deal with my mom. <laughs> Frequently, we just stop and agree to disagree and it's fine. That's like, we don't, we don't have to actually find consensus on everything. Right. Um, it's huge. It's huge. Yeah. Um, what advice would you give to your 21 year old self? Everything's going to be okay. Yeah, everything's just going to be fine, right? We worry about everything. We have this, you know, we come from this cultural and society of like, you know, constantly worrying. Like I worry, you know, worrying about the past. There's nothing we can do about the past. The past has already happened. We learn, we grow from it, we move on. We all have light and dark, right? The yin and the yang. And we, you know, we all have shadow and we all have light. And there's important things that happen in the dark, right? There's, you know, lots of things happen in the dark, you know, and in the, in the darkness of winter and things like that. So, you know, there's learning and 
growing and resting and things that happen, right? We go to bed at night to rest. So lots happen in the dark. So also in the light, right? It's like um, the shiny aspect of you. I always used to think, oh, I have to be Pollyanna and I have to be happy and shiny all the time, you know, but that's not true. I'm not always living in the, in the white light. I do have darkness. I do have shadows. And sometimes, you know, things come up that I have to look at within myself, you know, or, or things are mirrored back at me. And so, you know, or things from the past that come up that I wish I would have done differently, but you know, I can't, I can't. So, you know, there's no, no sense in, in worrying about the past or fretting over that, or even worrying about the future, right? Because we can't control that either. Really the only thing we can control is how we react to a situation. That's the only control that we have. So, you know, I always just encourage people be present in the moment, like the moment you and I are having right now, this moment will never happen again. So how can I be present in that moment, right? And it's like every person and thing that comes into your life will one day leave your life. I had a meditation teacher teach me that years ago, and it's been huge, right? So that I can concentrate and really be with those humans or whatever the situation is and be in that moment and be present for them because that's really the only thing you have is the present moment that's why it's a gift and we call it the present yes oh my god that's so good that's great advice um do you have any advice for grieving and walking through the process of grief sure um grieving is never easy i don't care who you are i had someone tell me once oh you're a medium isn't it a lot easier for you heck no it's not easier for me you know i still miss that person being in their physical you know humanness too and i think that um talking about loved ones right like this is the biggest thing when i sit with mothers that have lost their children my child existed say their name i mean i've been in a situation i don't know if any of you have or your viewers have where you you know meet somebody in town and you know they've had a loved one that's passed and you don't know what to say you know should i say you know something about the loved one maybe it's too sensitive they don't want me to talk about it but you know everyone i sit with it's like they want their loved one you know talked about because you know, how do we remember them? How do we honor, right? How do we, we never move on. We move forward, right? We can never move on from a death, right? Like, you know, we lose a loved one and they're always in our heart and we can honor them by packing love around that, but we always save that sacred space, right? And my biggest thing is I, and, and this is something that's come to light with me a lot lately is to be able to educate around grief and the things that we say to people that are, you know, experiencing grief like I used to you know say I'm sorry all the time right well that's not what people want to hear they don't want to hear I'm sorry it's you know it's empty um so you know I always just try to talk about their loved one and you know pray or you know whatever you know send them healing and love and you know that type of thing and and to I hear you got to be strong all the time, right? You got to be strong. You got to be strong. You got to push along. You got to be strong for that loved one. And I think it's super important to let people know you don't have to be strong, right? You can ask people around you that love you to be strong for you, right? And so that's kind of when you're dealing with somebody that's, you know, going through grief and is to really honor their tears and honor, you know, if they're pissed off about whatever it is, just honor that and be with it. You know, like how many times are we just honored for our feelings? Like, you know, you have every right to feel that way. You go ahead and cry, you go ahead and be pissed, you know, you, whatever that is to honor them in that space and to meet them there and to hold space. I mean, most of the time you don't have to say anything. Like I remember when my grandmother's boyfriend died and they had shared a room 
And I went to see her afterwards and she said, Casey, is he really gone? And I said, yeah, grandma, he's gone. And that was all we said. And I sat with her for probably an hour. And I think that was a big lesson for me was that holding space for people, super important, right? For whatever comes up, just a container. And so, you know, and looking at that with dealing with someone who's in a grief space, right? But what about when it's you that's in the grief space, right? You know, is to give yourself grace, realize, right? That you're going to have days, you're going to have time that you don't want to get out of bed, you know, and that's okay. And maybe you don't want to, you know, deal with, with life that day. And that's okay, too. You know, and so realizing that, and there's no way around it. You can drink, you can smoke, you can, you know, shop, you can, you know, whatever that is that you think you can do to numb shit, but it doesn't work, right? The only way to get through grief is to go through it. There's no way around it, above it or over it, right? There's just time. And, you know, we come to, you know, hopefully an acceptance space you know I remember I had lost my stepfather and my father in a five-month period and I was extremely close I was a very lucky woman to have two men love me the way they both did um makes me teary-eyed talking about it but I was a mess you know and for probably a year and I'm always very aware of what I eat and do my yoga practice and all of those things and I just gave it all up I didn't care I probably gained 25 30 pounds I didn't go to yoga I didn't do any of that but you know I look back now and I had to give myself the grace and to realize that you are mourning right so I think that's the biggest thing is we don't give ourselves grace to realize that it's okay it's okay to be sad that that person is gone it's okay to be pissed it's okay to go sit at the cemetery all day long it's okay not to go sit at the cemetery all day long right because we don't all grieve the same either you know I'm the type of person I have to see someone when they pass away like I I don't like a closed casket or not being able to see somebody you know but that's not my choice if that's what they've chosen but for me that's closure right I was the weird kid you know you're talking did you fit in as a teenager well in my senior year of high school instead of going to you know senior ditch days to the lake or whatever I'd go to the cemetery where I would you know walk through the you know mausoleums and you know uh, and through the grounds and I still love cemeteries um, for that reason so you know just realizing um, attunement you know to where you're at and how you're feeling and totally just being being with that I mean it's it's very painful at times you know and sometimes we measure I can remember after you know, my um, stepfather had died. I was like, okay, I've went an hour without crying. I've went half a day without crying. I've went the full day with, okay, now I've been a week without crying or, you know, whatever that is. And, and allowing myself the awareness that, you know, I wasn't crying, that I was feeling better. And then there'd be days when I was a hot mess, right? Which there's nothing wrong with that either. So um, I think in wrapping all of that up, it's really basically just acceptance and surrender to where you're at and knowing that that's okay and that everybody grieves differently. Like, you know, if for me, it's, you know, I, I want to see that person, you know, after they've passed, I want to go to the cemetery and I want to, you know, lay flowers where some people are like, no, I can't see any of that. I'm never going back to the cemetery, any of that. And that's perfectly fine too, because everybody grieves, you know, differently. So supporting yourself and, and supporting others that are in that space, I think is, is the most important thing, whether that's through sitting with them or not saying anything, or, you know, just, I love you and I'm here for you. What do you need? You know, those are very actionable and super helpful tips for grieving. I love that. Um, um, 
Casey, how can folks connect with you for a reading? So they can reach me um, uh, on my page, which is Casey Psychic Medium and Yogi Extraordinaire. Um, so I think Bevan has a link or something. It's a Facebook page. Oh, it's a Facebook page. Okay. I'm not very technical as you can tell. It's all right. It's like just so people know you're going through Facebook and then you're going to clicky call now. It's right at the top of the page. Uh, message me. Message me. Something like that. It's an action. There's an action bubble and you can take that action and you can connect with Casey. Casey, you see clients in person and also online, right? On Zoom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Great. And in-person people would find you uh in northern california northern california yeah great um thank you so much casey i really appreciate you being here sharing your gifts sharing your story and um, sharing all these very actionable tips um with everybody in the podcast land oh thank you bevan for having me yay bye casey bye